You are listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to GI Insights, where we cover the latest clinical issues, trends, and technologies in gastroenterological practice. GI Insights is brought to you by AGA Institute and sponsored by Takeda Pharmaceuticals North America. Your host for GI Insights is Professor of Medicine at University of Illinois Chicago, Dr. Jay Goldstein. Early colorectal cancer screening and detection can save lives. This has been proven. But only about half of men and women in the U.S. are actually being screened. This is a problem. Joining us to discuss issues surrounding colorectal cancer, early detection, and prevention is Dr. Ronald Fogel, currently a practicing gastroenterologist at the Digestive Health Center of Michigan in Chesterfield, Michigan, and Ron also serves as chair of the Public Policy and Advocacy Committee of the American Gastroenterological Association. Well, welcome, Ron. I'm really pleased to have you here today. Thank you, Jay. Well, let's get to the issue. What is colorectal screening, and why is it so important? Well, in general, when one talks about screening, one means the early identification of tumors, such as screening for breast cancer. In colon cancer, however, not only are we looking for the cancers at an early stage, but we're also looking for polyps. The reason why we care about polyps is because of the literature indicating that most cancers arise from polyps that over the years undergo a sequence of genetic changes and evolve from being benign to becoming malignant. We know that if we take these polyps out, we reduce the chances of dying from colorectal cancer. So this is really looking for patients with early cancers and those who might be at risk for developing cancer. Is that correct? That is correct. Okay, good. Are there differentials, requirements, or suggestions for men versus females? Well, men seem to have an increased risk of cancer, but both men and women need to be screened for colorectal cancer. At what age does uh, routine, average-risk patients need to be screened? The recommendation is that individuals be screened starting at the age of 50 if they do not have a family history. Okay, and assuming that they don't and they're not at high risk with family history of colon cancer, if they have a normal colonoscopy, what can you tell them? If the colonoscopy is normal, one can usually tell them that the short-term risk of developing cancer is very low. The natural history of polyp development and evolution into cancer isn't known completely, but what we say is that it usually takes between 10 and 15 years to develop a polyp and have it grow and evolve into cancer. And although there's a debate in the literature, many are saying that screening every 10 years should be sufficient to prevent the development of colorectal cancer for the average risk patient. However, I think everybody provides the caveat that if there are symptoms of colon disease, such as blood in the stool or a change in bowel pattern, earlier reevaluation would be needed. So let's go to the heart of the issue. What are the barriers and why do the barriers exist? Before we discuss that, it's worthwhile emphasizing that there are several different ways to screen patients. The ones that have the main barriers are those that involve interventions, such as colonoscopy or, to a certain extent, CT colonography. There are less barriers to the hematologic tests, the stool guaiacs, the fecal immunologic tests. The problem with those tests is that their sensitivity to pick up polyps is not sufficient to make them adequate screening tests. So I think what we're really talking about is the barrier to screening colonoscopy. 
Screening colonoscopy requires that the patient have a clean colon before the test can be done. The PrEP is unpleasant, but more than just an unpleasant PrEP, patients are concerned about the nature of the procedure, having a tube inserted through the rectum. They're concerned about possible pain. There are complications of the procedure which do represent a problem for some. There are cultural concerns regarding the actual procedure. And then there's a medical issue in that there are many primary care physicians who aren't aggressively recommending colon cancer screening, specifically colonoscopy to their patients. They use either the fecal occult test or they use air contrast barium enemas, which are very insensitive, or they don't recommend it at all. In my own practice, when I see patients and offer them colonoscopy for colorectal screening, they always want to go for the x-ray. They say, you don't need much more than that. All you have to do is show up and have the x-ray done. Is that true? Well, today, you actually still need some sort of prep for the CT colonography. But in all probability, within the next few years, CT colonography will be done without prep. There'll be some way to label the stool, and then it'll be digitally subtracted from the image, and you'll be able to have your colon visualization without having any prep. Right now, the issue with CT colonography is that it's not a covered benefit, although that probably will change, too, you know, in the next year or two as Medicare is looking at the issue. I think CT colonography will be a good screening test. In terms of its sensitivity and specificity and predictive value, it's just as good as the optical colonoscopy. But if you have a CT colonography, you're still going to be left with the need to have the optical colonoscopy if an abnormality is detected. What about for flat lesions? That's a very important comment. At least right now, the ability of CT colonography to detect flat lesions appears to be less than that of optical colonography. And that's driving a lot of debate amongst the radiology community and the GI community, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Also, the radiologists, as are we, are less certain as to the significance of small polyps both the less than 5-millimeter polyps and the 5- to 10-millimeter polyps. We're not sure what to do with these lesions, which are very prevalent. Well, I think it's true to say that you have to do something, whether it's colography or colonoscopy or something else that comes down the pipe. you got to do something for colorectal screening. Is that correct? Absolutely. I mean, colorectal cancer is a preventable cancer. There are 52,000 deaths each year in this country because of colon cancer, and it can be prevented both by identifying polyps and taking them out or by identifying lesions at an earlier stage. If you have a local lesion, your five-year survival is 90%. If you have regional lymph nodes, it may fall to 70 And if you have distant metastasis, five-year survival is only 5%. It makes sense to do colonoscopy to save lives as well as to reduce the cost of health care. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to GI Insights on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Jay Goldstein, and joining me today to discuss early detection, prevention, and treatment of colorectal cancer is Dr. Ron Fogel, practicing gastroenterologist at the Digestive Health Center of Michigan in Chesterfield, Michigan, and chair of the Public Policy and Advocacy Committee of the American Gastroenterological Association. Let's pick up on that latter title there for a second. What is the AGA doing specifically to increase colorectal screening? And also, what is the government in a legislative manner actually doing to improve colorectal screening? Well, the AGA website provides information on colon cancer screening for those members of the community who actually access the site. 
But there is legislation that's been proposed by Representative Kay Granger of Texas. She has proposed what is called H.R. 1738, the Colorectal Cancer Early Detection Prevention and Treatment Act. This would establish a life-saving program at the CDC similar to the breast and cervical cancer screening programs to fight colorectal cancer. Specifically, the bill has several features. It would establish this program at the CDC to provide screenings and treatment. It would target screenings towards individuals who are between the ages of 50 to 64 or those who are high risk under the age of 50. It would prioritize screening for low-income, uninsured, and underinsured individuals, which, as we talked about, is a major barrier to obtaining screening colonoscopy. And then it will also provide case management referrals for treatment for those who have positive screening tests. And it will ensure the full continuum of care for screened individuals, including you know, diagnosis and therapy if a neoplasm is found. And it has an educational component to train health professionals in the detection of colorectal cancer. This legislation should save money in the long run by having people have colonoscopies and polyp removal rather than colectomies or colon cancer resection and chemotherapy. And it's only good for our healthcare system. Well, let's turn our attention to just a different topic, African-Americans and colorectal cancer. Screening begins earlier for them. Is that not true? That appears to be what the literature indicates, yes. And that's because? It seems that they have an increased incidence of cancer at an earlier age. I'm not sure what the mechanism is, but the literature would suggest that that is indeed the case. So the national guidelines really state for people who are African-American, age 45? I think that would be reasonable, yes. Okay, and age 50 for Caucasians? Correct. Wow. All right. Why don't we just, for a few minutes, talk about people who are at higher risk, who need to go in a little earlier than 50? Who are those people? If there is a first-degree family member who has had colorectal cancer, then it's recommended that colon cancer screening start 10 years before the diagnosis of that individual. If there's a family history of colorectal cancer, if one meets the criteria for either HNPCC, hereditary non-polyposis colorectal cancer, or for familial polyposis, then screening should start earlier. And obviously for those people who have inflammatory bowel disease screening needs to start after 10 years of disease. They fall into a special category. There's genetic testing that is evolving to help better identify these people at risk. Is that true? Correct. Who should be ordering those tests? I think that those tests should be ordered by the gastroenterologist. Often the primary care physician doesn't have the experience to be able to adequately assess these patients and provide the recommendations for genetic screening. In my practice, if I identify an individual who may have HNPCC or has FAP, I usually refer them off to a geneticist for further evaluation and testing. That's wonderful. I'd like to thank my guest from the Digestive Health Center of Michigan in Chesterfield, Michigan, Dr. Ron Fogel, for spending time with us today to discuss the topic of early detection, prevention, and treatment of colorectal cancer. Ron, thank you very much for being our guest on GI Insights today. Thank you. You have been listening to GI Insights on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. GI Insights is brought to you by AGA Institute and sponsored by Takeda Pharmaceuticals North America. For additional information on this program and on-demand podcasts, visit us at ReachMD.com 
and use promo code AGA. Takeda Pharmaceuticals North America is proud to sponsor this important and quality programming for ReachMD listeners. Takeda does not control the editorial content of this broadcast. The views expressed are solely those of the guests who are selected by the AGA Institute. Based in Deerfield, Illinois, Takeda Pharmaceuticals North America is a wholly owned subsidiary of Takeda Pharmaceutical Company Limited, the largest pharmaceutical company in Japan. In the United States, Takeda markets products for diabetes, insomnia, wakefulness, and gastroenterology, and is developing products in the areas of diabetes, cardiovascular disease, and other conditions. Takeda is committed to striving toward better health for individuals and progress in medicine by developing superior pharmaceutical products. To learn more about the company and its products, visit www.tpna.com.